You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Now, it is my personal opinion and belief that this holiday, quote-unquote, that's fast approaching is made up by Pro Flowers and Hallmark. And it is just an attempt for them to make a boatload of money selling stuff so that people feel guilty if they don't get something on that day. And it, I mean, come Yeah, on. no pressure. No, none at all. None at all. So, <laughs> I'm not biased at all with that either, so... Greg asked me last night, he said, now let me just test the waters right now in advance. Do you want to go to dinner on Valentine's Day? Because I'm going to be traveling a ton. Right. And I will just be getting home that day. He said, because I've learned from past years, I better make my reservations now. Because like everybody and their dog (laughs) is out to dinner on Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's, yeah, this is, um, this is one of those holidays that it it doesn't go over well in the Allen household, largely because of the beginnings of the Allen household, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> it was there's not some really good fond memories of Valentine's Day, uh, but you know it's one of those things it's, that hey, is gifts not your love language, Corey. Well, no, the struggle. I you know I married a CPA, as you know, because you're married to one as well, Shannon. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, the the very first Valentine's Day we shared as a uh, married couple. You know, it was we were already almost a year into a, a marriage because we got married at the beginning, you know, at the end of spring, early summer, and so it was one of those. Okay, money's tight because I was first job out of college, and she was going to school, and we were, you know, four hundred fifty miles away from family, and so it was pinching pennies, literally. Mm, yeah. And so it, there were strict orders from my CPA wife of. We got to be careful what we spend. You know, don't we're not spending. Don't don't go crazy spending money. Don't spend money. Don't spend fifty dollars on a dozen roses. Well, no, it was it was just basic. Not even just Valentine's related. It was just an in general. We don't need to be spending money. Mm-hmm. You know, except for the basic necessities. And so we're going to bed that Valentine's night, and we had had dinner together at the house. But I'm laying there, and I hear my wife crying as we're drifting off to sleep, and I'm like, okay, this isn't good. What what's up? And she's, you didn't get me anything for our first Valentine's Day. And I'm like, you said don't spend any money, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So so it set us on this path of, yeah, Valentine's Day doesn't have a whole lot of warm, fuzzy feelings. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of our first Christmas together. Um, Greg called on Christmas Eve saying he was going to be a few minutes late getting home. And I learned that it was, or I soon realized when we opened our gifts, it was because he had not done any Christmas shopping up to that <laughs> point. And by then, the only store that was still open was Hallmark. So I got a greeting card organizer box and a curling iron cover. Hey. That was my Christmas. All right. <laughs> but I still have them both 25 years later, so I guess they weren't <laughs> horrible gifts. <laughs> well, this actually, if you're a... New to what we're what we're showing and, and airing today, this is Sexy Marriage Radio, where we're not just talking about bashing ha- Valentine's Day because it does serve a, a good, a good, more fuzzy moment in people's lives, and it and it is one of those that yeah, it's a great time to just remember your loved one, and whether you go extravagant or you don't, just make sure you tell them you love them. But I also think, hey, tell them that every day. You know, make every day yeah. Valentine's Day. Um. Well, and I remember um having very uh warm feelings toward this holiday as a kid. You remember when you would create the Valentine box out of a shoe box and you would take it to school and you had Valentine's for all yep. your friends and yep. you'd come home with all this candy and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so I, I 
kind of like this holiday. I just think that it's fun. Yeah. Uh, it's your, my excuse to paint my fingernails red. That's the only time of year that I actually, you know, will make an attempt to wear red. But I, I hear that red is actually scientifically proven to be a very arousing color sexually to men. That like, uh, that would be true. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that it's fun just to focus attentions on how to, how can we really float our spouse's boat? There you go. Um, but hey, are you ready for, you remember the Valentines that we gave our classmates and some of the corny jokes on them? Um, yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's been a long time. When it, uh, I actually remember one of my Valentines that a boy gave me in like fourth grade. Uh, what did one volcano say to the other volcano? I have no idea. I lava you. <laughs> it made me so excited to go home knowing that Kyle lavas me. Oh, you are lavaed. <laughs> That's so great. And hey, I want to say we lava our listeners. How's that for yeah. a transition? That's a great segue. And so if you want to let us know what you think, what your questions are, we'd love to hear from you. Send them emails at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We do get lots of emails from people and we love it. We read every single one. Some of them become future shows. Others are just we take care of and answer whenever they come in. So we want to hear from you. We also love you if, if you would sh give us a review on iTunes. If you like what you hear, give us five stars. If you want to leave a comment, please do, because that helps us spread the word, and it helps us just expand the message that the best sex that's happening is happening in marriage and in the marriage bed. So that's where we are and what we're doing today. Yeah. So, Corey, you know what happens this weekend? Um, I don't spend any money on my wife for Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, no, wait, like wait, that. wait. No, wait. I, that, I've learned from that one. I, I, do, <laughs> I, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, this Friday is a, a big opening for a particular movie. And while some people are standing in the... The ticket line on Friday, I'm actually going to be at the 700 Club doing an interview about Fifty Shades of Grey in my book, The Fantasy Fallacy. But today I thought we could do a show on how to discern if this movie is right for you. And I'm just going to forewarn everyone that it could be just a wee bit of a spoiler alert. Not necessarily that this that the plot of the movie is really the big draw of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The draw of it is just the sexual titillation of. Are there are there a lot of car chases and it, and no, death and no, stuff? It's, and, okay, it's not a yeah. It's it's definitely not an adrenaline pumping testosterone flick. Okay. It's definitely a chick flick, but probably the most sizzling chick flick made so far. But then I haven't seen the movie. I mean, I'm making assumptions that the movie is going to be as sexually graphic as the book. But then again, I think it would have to be rated X in order for it to be that way. Right. So I'm not sure what, I think that it was Angelina Jolie who produced it. I'm not sure if they went down the sexual titillation route or if they went more down the psychology of why this dynamic existed between this couple. But um, either way, I do have some warnings. Um, I want you to be prepared. I know I want you to know what you're getting yourself into. But okay. my biggest heart's desire is I do not want this movie to cause disunity either in the body of Christ or in one single marriage. Okay. And history over the past few years since this trilogy was released tells me that that's exactly what this movie has the power and potential to do. Okay. People come into either the book or, you know, the movie with the anticipation of this is going to turn me on. This is going to light my spouse's fire. This is going to make us have much hotter sex. 
uh, that this is going to wave a magic wand over our cold marriage bed, et cetera, et cetera. But I just want everybody to know that it may or may not. Right. Um, and there's some reasons for that. Okay, so let's we had, go. Yeah, we had asked our listeners, what do you want to know about Fifty Shades of Grey? What, you know, before the movie comes out, what are your big concerns? And uh, we had several questions and, you know, basically things that I was already planning on talking about. But one guy in particular stood out to me. He asked, um, uh, he said that, uh, that he sees the Fifty Shades of Grey stuff described uh, that it's way beyond someone simply enjoying the kinkier side of things. Okay. Um, and he is very, very right. This is not just a movie about kinkiness. Okay. Uh, giving up control or taking control and playing with power in a fun, trusting way is cool. I don't see, but I don't see the appeal of physically and emotionally abusing your partner. And so at least he knows enough about it that he knows that that's practically what this is. And he says, while I, while I can understand the twisted pattern of abuse that makes the lead character Christian, uh, and he, he says, I, I think that you should even you know, at least mention the fact that she used the name Christian as this guy's first name. That, that almost <laughs> seems like, a, yeah, a red flag. Uh, that he's a control freak. He's a psychopathic control freak. He says, what I don't, I don't understand is how this appeals to women. And so let's talk about that a little bit. He says, why would anyone, man or woman, want someone to do things equal to physical, emotional, and mental abuse? And then he says, can you explain both the reasons why someone might want to use sex to hurt or control their partner? And what in the world would make reading about it not only enjoyable, but have women that's so actively talking about it and wanting to find their Christian Grey who would do that to them? Right. So I think that as titillating as this whole phenomenon has been to women, it has been pretty bewildering to men. Yeah. And they're kind of wondering, what am I supposed to do with this information? Like, am I supposed to go out and buy whips and chains and nipple clamps? Because my wife is uh, kind of like on the Saturday Night Live skit where wives are, they're reading about it in the bubble bath and they're reading about it leaning up against the washing machine while it vibrates. Like they're, they're finding themselves very aroused by it. So men are confused. What am I supposed to do with this information? So let's kind of dive into, um, I want to just give a very quick overview of the, the theme of this book and why it is so close to the edge. But let me first give a preface or a disclaimer. I know that there are a lot of Christians out there right now that are actively, I mean, they are so boycotting this movie and they are asking people to sign petitions and they are just going crazy trying to discourage people from fueling this phenomenon or spending this money or you know, spending any money in this direction. Right. And I totally get the heart behind it. And I might consider jumping on that bandwagon if I didn't know this about human nature. <laughs> uh Oh, I know where we're going. <laughs> Wet paint, yeah. do not touch. Yeah. It, what do we as humans do when someone tells us not to do something? <laughs> we do it. We totally do it. So I, I sometimes I want to sit some of these people down and say, you do realize that you're creating a whole different marketing campaign in support of the movie by going off the deep end, right? going, don't, don't. And so I am glad that we live in a country where there is no such thing as censorship because the same way that Fifty Shades of Grey has the freedom to be in a, in a movie theater, so does movies like Heaven is for Real or Fireproof or whatever. You know, So I'm glad that there's no such thing as censorship, but I do think that people need to... Um, be very careful about whether the, you know, choosing this movie and, and discerning whether this is for them or not. So the, the storyline is that um, a 20 something year old, very rich, like billionaire, rich, very handsome 
control freak, kind of a psychotic type of guy, uh, sets his sights on a very young, naive, inexperienced, virginal, barely out of college girl. Um, and he asks her to sign a contract that states that she will not tell anyone anything about the nature of their relationship. After she signs that is when he springs it on her that he has some very interesting um, sexual um, practices, I guess, or perversions is okay. probably the more accurate description. But he is very into BDSM, where he is the dominant and she is the submissive. And he has a whole separate room in his apartment, in his penthouse suite, dedicated to this practice, to this hobby. It's called the Red Room of Pain, where he has all kinds of torture devices. And he gives her a code. He does give her a password that if she, you know, if it's too much to bear physically, (laughs) that she can use this code word and he will, he will stop. But the, basically the book leads you down this path of what all they do. Okay. And, um, while, while it can be very titillating to imagine another woman experiencing that, I just want to warn all the women out there that unless you fit the psychological profile of someone who really craves BDSM type activity, and and you and I can talk about that in a moment, I wouldn't suggest that you go out and spend a lot of money on whips and chains and nipple clamps (laughs) because most people who are relatively healthy human beings who have proper attachment to their parents, who grew up with the sense that love equals security, love equals safety, love equals connection, don't have a hard time manufacturing passion in a relationship. Right. But people who experience pain and pleasure, who attempt to experience pain and pleasure at the same time, it may not work. Like I know for me personally, if, I mean, to be tied up might be one thing, you know, where there's not any pain involved, but there's control involved. Right. The reason that that appeals to so many Christian women is the psychology behind it is, we were told so often that good girls don't, good girls don't. And so we kind of had the notion that if we initiate sex or if we respond positively to sex or we enjoy sex, then we're being bad girls. And we grew to like our good girl identity, especially when our parents would tell us how, you know, well, he's, he'll be looking for a good girl. And, you know, guys see a girl as one thing, either marriage material or so not marriage material. And if you want to be marriage material, you need to be a good girl type thing. Well, the fantasy of being tied up and having sex forced on us, that kind of, that rewrites the script of then it's not that we're initiating or giving in, it's that we're a victim. Right. And it's being forced on us. Right. There's nothing we can do about it. Nothing I can do about it. It's it's, it's like a corset buster type of a romance novel. Of it, it's, it wasn't my choice, but it, boy, was it a guilty pleasure. Right. That I can, it gives you freedom, it's like somehow psychologically, it gives you the freedom to enjoy it. Um, and so a little light BDSM type thing where, you know, you're tying each other up, taking turns, um, you know, that sort of thing. I'm not against that at all. What I'm against is the use of, of actual pain. Okay. Yeah. So cause it's, for, cause it, what you're talking about is a more playful exploratory. I'm talking about pure, just fantasy role right, play. Right. But, the, but the movie totally, or the book is going more into the, it's dominating for the point to the point of exerting a power completely over somebody and control completely over somebody. It is incredibly abusive. Okay. 
it is incredibly in the, in the fact that this woman is trying so hard to be the submissive, it, it just kind of reveals that whole dynamic of, Oh, I'll just have to put up with anything. I'm willing to be crucified for the sake of this relationship because hopefully my love will change him. Right. Well, it works in the movie, but ladies and gentlemen, please realize that this is just a movie. It's <laughs> it's a woman's fantasy that she wrote in the form of a story. It's just a story. Please don't take this as um, a self-help book on how to go home and light the fire in your marriage bed. Right. Because I know for me, if if there was pain infused with it and I'm supposed to get pleasure out of that pain, it would make me angry. Yeah. It, it, it would have the opposite effect on me. And I think that it would probably most likely have the opposite effect on most people. But I acknowledge that there is a percentage of people who, like Christian Gray, have experienced extreme physical and mental and emotional and even sexual abuse in their past. Mm -hmm. And therefore, this dynamic may actually be something that lights their fire. But be very careful that you and your partner have wide open lines of communication with all things BDSM if you if you decide to give this a try. Because, you know, there for a while it was like, oh, there's all these Fifty Shades of Grey babies. People, you know, are, are making right. love again and right. having kids. Yay. But there's also been a huge documented phenomenon that there's a lot of Fifty Shades of Grey divorces. Yeah. Where either they tried this and it wound up totally damaging their marriage bed or she or he developed expectations that the spouse should be willing to take this walk on the wilder, darker side. And it mentally and emotionally damaged their partner to be expected to do this. And look, I want to add a little caveat. Jump though, in. Just please. because I think there, we have to face the fact that there, when you're talking about sex, just in general between two people, there is an element of power associated. Mm-hmm. Because, automatically yeah be, in. because whoever's initiating has power whoever has to either respond or reject they have power and so it's not like that we're all uh innocent in the in the in the realm of power in our sex life because we do have power and sometimes we use that and abuse that in real subtle ways with our spouse yeah, but this this would be an abuse in not just a subtle way. No, I get it. it yeah, this this is this is going beyond that and and trying to really what glamorize it almost. Yes, and and so my concern is you know as the movie unfolds, and I don't want to spoil too much of it, but basically as the movie unfolds, you will get why Christian Grey is this way sexually. But my concern is the impact that this movie is having on women in general and that is setting. Now, I don't consider myself a big feminist, but I probably am somewhat of a moderate. I like the fact that women have the right to vote or to stand up for themselves or to go and report a rape or anything like that. But I think that it's setting the women's movement back by decades. Okay. I think that it's it, that for impressionable readers or viewers who don't have the understanding that, yeah, uh, sex can be kinky, it can be weird, but it can be those things in the context of a healthy marriage relationship where both partners are getting their needs met, and it's not abusive. Right. It's very, very consensual between the husband and the wife. But for the, you know, for the immature or less mature person reading or watching this, getting the idea that, well, if this is what men want, I am so willing to do that right. it, just because they're hungry for a man or they are so hungry to be found irresistible or they're hungry to tame someone. But you know, women have to realize that 
our love does not change a man. You cannot change a man unless he is in diapers. And so the, I'm just, I'm afraid of, of what, of how it's going to distort yeah. women's view of healthy sexuality. Yeah. But for couples who, they already have a very strong foundation of what healthy sexuality is. And they're very grounded in uh, how well they communicate with one another. And they feel as if they can explore and fantasize together and not cause any harm whatsoever. And that if they have a, a hope that they might want to experiment with something, but it's not necessarily an expectation that you're going to be disappointed if your spouse is like, yeah, that that's not in my repertoire. I can't go there. Right. It, it just, it has to be a very mature couple who could handle this type of movie and not allow it to damage them or not allow it to hinder the passion and the pleasure in their marriage bed. Right. So it just has the power to do either and it's really up to you and the lens that you look at the movie through to determine whether it winds up being a good thing for your marriage or whether it turns out to be a bad thing for your marriage. So it could go either way. It's so a game. In, in essence, you're saying if this is something that you are exploring or being a part of, going to see the movie, read the books, whatever, mm -hmm. have the conversation with, with your other partner, with your other half. Yeah. Talk to them about what this does to you, what you see, how you view it, what's what it, what you experience, what rises up from that in a sense. Yeah. It, well, and another thing is I want people to go into the movie with an understanding of what sexual fantasy, you know, what that what role that plays in our brains, because mm -hmm. our brains are our largest sex organ. Mm -hmm. If there's any way that they could read the fantasy fallacy first about exposing the deeper meaning behind our sexual thoughts. I think the movie will not only make so much more sense, but it might even put the movie in a context such that it 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 has a better chance of of having a positive impact on your marriage than a negative impact. Okay. So don't misinterpret that as me endorsing the movie or telling people <laughs> to go see it. I don't want people sending me hate emails or I can't believe that you said. I'm just saying that if you're going to go see it anyway, come hell or high water, here's my recommendation right. that you have a proper understanding of sexual fantasy and the role that it plays and why this guy would go down this path. Um, and the other thing is, I think that people, that couples who one of them reads the books and the other one doesn't, or, or now it's going to be one of them watches the movie and the other one chooses not to, that you are going to be on such different pages sexually that that scares me even yeah. worse than if you both saw the movie together or if you both read the book together, because it, it has the potential to open up lines of communication uh, you know, to experiment, explore that sort of thing. If that's, you know, if, if that's what you're yeah. interested in. Yeah. But if one person again, creates all these expectations and the other person is like, who are you? You are not the person I married. This is, I can't <laughs> believe that you expect me to tie you up or to let you put those nipple clamps on me or whatever. Like it, it has the potential to feel really abusive to the partner who hasn't seen the movie or who hasn't read the book. Right. Which kind of leads us to the next thing. What if your partner doesn't want to? What if your partner has heard enough about it that they feel really strongly that we need to guard our minds right. and our bodies and our marriage bed? We, we, we need to steer clear of that. What do you do? Corey, what do you suggest? If one, if one spouse really wants to explore this phenomenon and the other person really feels strongly that we shouldn't, what's the answer? Well, I think it's some, that's the whole idea of having conversations with each other and being true to you. Cause that's really all you can be. If your partner is going to decide, no, this is something I'm, I'm going to go do. I'm going to go see this. I'm going to read this. You can't stop me. Well then 
I really can't do anything other than say, hey, you know, I prefer not. And like, I, well, I rephrase that. I could do things, but they would be really drastic results if I were to just say, you know, hey, you do that, I'm done. But it is more having just the honest conversations of, okay, if this is something you want to explore in your life and in our life together, how else could we do that that could be a little more edifying and a little healthier? Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote the fantasy fallacy is right. I am so not against fantasy. I'm a big fan of sexual fantasy. I mean, I, I use it you know, very avidly. Uh, and I'm so thankful that God wired our brains that way. And if people are freaking out by what I'm saying, you need to go back and listen to the shows that we recorded uh, early on. I think it was back in November of 2013 uh, about the purpose of right. sexual fantasy. But here's my thing is that if one of you really wants to do something and the other one feels like that is so not a good idea, the person who wants to do it owes it to their spouse to submit to that. Okay. That to force something on your spouse because you really want it. How is that not abusive in and of itself? Well, they're both, it, it, they're both on the same in, in the same realm. That one right. of you saying no and the other saying yes, and if either one of you gets the gets their way, you've basically ruled it over them. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and how is it any different than one of them wants to watch porn and the other one so does not? Yep. And it would be very abusive for the one who wants to watch it to force it down the other person's throat. Right. So again, the movie has the potential to really create some huge chasms between a husband and a wife. And we have to navigate this very, very carefully. And Corey, I just spoke this past Sunday, uh, ironically, at a First Baptist Church here in Texas. Uh, the pastor said, hey, I'm going to take the men over to one location. I'm going to leave you with all of the women and the teenage girls because he wasn't naive enough to think that right. teenage girls hadn't been exposed to a lot of this too. And so I had chick church with the women while he had man church with the men. And we um, we talked about you know what this phenomenon is doing and what it has the potential to do. But I also mentioned how even within the body of Christ, it is creating so much division. Right. Because there's a lot of stone throwing of, right. I can't believe that you could call yourself a Christian and read that book. And, and it's like, wait a minute, since when did our salvation, our salvation is so not based on the, movel, the, 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 the movies that we watch or the novels that we choose to read or not. Our salvation is based on what Jesus did for us on the cross, end of story. Right. And so it does not make you, it, you do not have to surrender your Christian card because you chose to go and watch Christian Grey in a movie or read it in a book. I know lots of Christian people who have read it, sometimes for very honest reasons. Um, they are in a position of leadership, and they want to know how to guide right. the women in their group or whatever. Um, and then, again, some people just have honest intentions of wanting to light their marriage bed on fire, and they heard that this is a great way to do it through some other person. And and so, you know, some people are wandering into it very innocently and with very great intentions. But there are also women who say, you know, I had to put the book down after the first couple chapters, either because uh, they found it to be pornographic in their opinion or because the writing is just so terrible. And it really is. Um, <laughs> and so I, I am kind of hoping that the movie will at least be a little bit more palatable than the book in the sense that hopefully it'll be produced well <laughs> instead of cheesy. But I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of impact the movie has on our culture in the coming months and years. But I definitely think that this marks the turn of an era. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm starting to do more and more sessions on 
um, counseling in a post Fifty Shades of Grey world. Right. This, it is really ripping the lid off of sexual fantasy and you know the role that it plays in a person's mind and in a marriage. And I think the counselors, especially, need to be incredibly aware of the impact of the phenomenon. And I think pastors, leaders, yeah, uh, yeah, we just need to be eyes wide open of what's going on. But let's also remember, this is nothing new. Satan distorted healthy sexuality seven different ways in the book of Genesis alone. Yep. This is his favorite area to toy with. And if we can if we can just look at it through the proper lens, it actually has the power to, I think, draw us closer to God and closer to one another. Because again, God did wire our brains with the ability to fantasize sexually, to go places in our minds that feel safer than where we might be in that moment. And for some people who have been severely sexually abused in the past, that's a blessing. That is a blessing that they can compartmentalize that pain long enough to experience pleasure with their spouses. And that if they can feel the freedom to go to those places and to experience that pleasure, then surely their marriage bed will be all the richer. Um, but that we just need to be aware of, of what kind of destruction could be right. coming down the path. And we need to be very careful that our marriages aren't, one of those casualties. Right. So it's it's a learning to deal with fantasy in an appropriate way with reality. Yes. Because it's and I'm struck by the idea of the writing of Fifty Shades of Grey and how poor it is. Because mm-hmm. I've not read it, so I have no clue. But mm-hmm. it's it's also from a couple years back. You remember the book that came out, The Shack? Mm-hmm. They, they really kind of so controversial. Yeah, it went real controversy in the but Christian so realm. So brilliant. Yeah, yeah, but it was I also the writing in that was poor. Yeah, as it well. wasn't grand. And so, what is it about stuff that goes wild, but it's just terrible writing? Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I think I think that it's things that challenge our paradigm. It's yes. things that drag us out of our comfort zone, which you and I have talked about how. Yep. To get out of your comfort zone actually creates some anxiety, some titillation, some tension right. that can actually serve your marriage better right. well. There's a good side to tension and, and anxiousness. Yeah. It but could, just yeah. Ma- make sure that your that your spouse is willing to be that tense or to be that anxious. Don't <laughs> force it on them. And let this be something that if you choose to expose yourself to it, be very discerning about how you're going to translate that into real life because sometimes fantasy is much better than the reality and that you don't need to actually go there in order to get the benefit of the fantasy itself. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. And Shannon, I got to say thanks for leading this charge. Sure. So if there's My something pleasure. if there's something undone or questions that this has provoked in you, please send them. Let us know. Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. We would love to hear from you and what this does and how this helps, what's undone. Any way we can help, that's what we want to do is try to help make your sex life and more importantly, just your marriage and your life better. Because I, I really believe we can have a fantastic life with our spouse. And a lot of it is just dealing with things in appropriate ways. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks for spending some time with Happy us. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you. Bye.